Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition. Now, the in season 2223 in season edition of the Sun's Solar Panel. Welcome back. Welcome, uh, Brandon. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Of course, it's, it's insane that the season's already here. Like, I, I still can't believe we have a, a game tomorrow, uh, open practice today. Like, these, these dates are here, and it's going to move real quick. So, before you know it, the season's going to tip off. So, I'm, I'm excited. Yep, they have an open – the Phoenix Suns have kicked off training camp. They spent the past week in training camp. I am not going to bore you with reactions, and neither is Brandon. going to bore you with the reactions of media day or any of that off-season crap, off-the-court crap. We're just going to talk about basketball today. That's the most important thing, and that's what we're going to focus on. So the Suns have been in training camp all week, uh, three days worth anyway, Tuesday, well, four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They have an open scrimmage today, uh, open practice at midday today, if you guys can go. I don't know if they've sold out or not. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Sunday night. The preseason kind of kicks off with an exhibition against the um, Adelaide 36ers, um, which are less than half as good as the 76ers of Philadelphia. Uh, then the Suns' actual preseason starts against the Lakers on Wednesday, and then we, we get going. We get to actually see some basketball, and these guys get to actually play some basketball uh, and we're not even going to talk about the last game they played. We want to talk about the next game they're going to play. Joining us today on the show is PLR, one of our regular guests. We're very happy to have you on. PLR, how's it going, my man? What's going on, gentlemen? How are you guys? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Can you hear us okay? I can hear well, you. Huh? Can, you guys, can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got you. Good deal. My guy, Brandon. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Good, good. All right. Well, we are happy to actually be talking about real basketball this morning. We really appreciate y'all joining us, uh, and uh, we're gonna get moving. We've got a we've got a whole day, uh, the whole show, four quarters of actual basketball and forward thinking things to think of. Again, we're not gonna rehash things that have happened in the past. We're going to only talk about what's on the court right now going forward because people are tired of it. I think I personally listened to probably eight different podcasts this week on reactions to media day between national people and local people. And I'm just, I'm just sick of it. So media day happened. That's all we need to know. And uh, the Suns are about to play basketball. Um, Devin Booker himself said every question, every, every answer he wants to give going forward is a look forward approach rather than a look back. And I appreciate that. So we're going to do that. Um, so, uh, the Suns have had again, four days of training camp so far, and now today they're going to have an open practice. So let's, let's talk about some takeaways from training camp this week. I know PLR, you were with me from with at media day. I, you've got a regular job like uh, many of us, and so do you, Brandon. So you guys didn't make it to practices this week in person, but I did. I called in and listened to the uh, media sessions, post-practice media sessions this week, and a couple of storylines have come out. The first storyline, and I don't want to belabor this at all, but it's something for us to watch. Something for us to watch 
is that DeAndre Ayton focus, it seems to be very focused on performing this year and doing his best. He talks about it for the team, um, but he does seem a little bit more about DeAndre than, than in years past. In years past, he's like, I don't care if I ever get the ball. I don't care whatever. I just want to be a defensive anchor. He's a little bit more serious and more about performing this year. What do you think we're going to get out of DeAndre Ayton? And, and not, we're not going to see anything in the preseason. Um, but the, the players do seem to think, when they're asked about DeAndre Ayton, that he's his same self, except just a little bit more serious, a little bit more mature. Uh, with the media, he's been a lot more serious and a lot more tight-lipped. He used to be the one guy who would give us non, non-platitudes. Now he's kind of rolled into that. He's kind of almost being like a like a Devin Booker type where he doesn't give us anything. What do you think we're going to see from DA this year? Let's start with you, Zona. Yeah, I think uh, going back to your first point that, you know, talking about basketball, it's great. You know, for a second I thought, or I forgot like what basketball was. It felt like we were covering a soap opera with all this stuff going mm-hmm. on. But, um, you know, as far as DeAndre's attitude, I think part of that with the media, like, you know, he'd always get shit on whenever he was outgoing and bubbly and, would give these answers that were just completely candid. And and now that he's serious, like uh, I think that's part of that is just the way the media has treated him in, in a way. Um, the other part, like I, I said before media day even started, I don't really care uh, what any of their answers are or like what they say. I just want to see what they do on the court. So I think that kind of stays true. Like, you know, I honestly, as long as he takes that leap on the court, I don't, I don't care what he says in, in interviews. Um, so to me, if he's locked in then that's a great sign for the Suns. What about you, PLR? What do you think? I think he's tired, to be honest with you. I think he's tired, especially of the media. I mean, how would you like it if every time you got interviewed, someone said, oh, he's more mature. Oh, he's more grown up. Oh, he's more. After a while, that gets old, especially after you didn't get compensated the way that you felt you should have. So he got compensated. He just had to work harder for it. No, see, I disagree with that. He, He did get compensated, but. But it's how he got compensated. He got yes, compensated as the second, you know, the second thought. So we'll let someone else decide how much you're worth, and then we'll give you. He's almost like the Price is Right, uh, twelve hundred one dollar. And so I, you, you just don't. It doesn't feel well with him. And so yes, I do think he's more business. Um, I'm not gonna this whole year. I promise I would never describe him as more mature. I'll just say he's more business focused business. and i think he's going to have a i think he's going to have an excellent year because i think we all griped about him not saying give me the ball let's go to work and now that he's kind of getting in that mode we're like oh well, what 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 is he doing i just think that's what he what he's going to do now there is uh there's a couple of things with him uh you're right it it may not be maturity it might just be first of all with media he just might not want to be the punching bag anymore because he may have realized finally that when he's open and and unguarded with us is is when some media turn that around on him and say, oh, gosh, he's here he is, the child again. You know, they give him crap for it. And he's in that age range. He's the youngest starter on the team, one of the youngest players on the team, certainly the youngest rotation player on the team. Uh, he is going to be most physically reactive, emotionally reactive to social media out of all of them. So uh, he's probably just tired of that. So he's tired of getting beaten up 
publicly maybe a little bit, but there's, there's more going on than that, right? Let's there's, he's got to have a good relationship with the coach. So I'll be watching out a little bit for that. Uh, Monty Williams said he had not talked to DA one-on-one DA said he hasn't talked to Monty Williams one-on-one since game seven. There's been plenty of opportunities, but then Monty said, I haven't talked to hardly anybody one-on-one. I don't, I, I wanted to give them a summer off. And I want to uh, uh, address the summer off for a second. Um, I'll tell you what, guys, I was burned out too, right? I don't know about you guys, but we went through two and a half years of straight basketball with barely any, uh, with barely any break from basketball. I remember when we started last year, Brandon, and games started preseason started. We all admitted that. Wow, this is a little early. We're not even over the finals yet, and all of a sudden they're playing basketball games again, and we weren't quite ready. And so Chris Paul openly said he wanted to take the summer off and get away from people. Monty Williams said I wanted to leave people alone. You know, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have all year in their face one on one. Why would I spend the whole summer doing it too? And then Devin Booker said the same thing. He's like, it's okay to get away for the summer and not talk to anybody for a little while. I mean, some of the guys, they just wanted to play basketball and stuff, and they did. There was more guys in the gym this summer than uh, Monty says than, than he's uh, seen here with the Suns, and that's good. But they were talking basketball. They weren't talking, like, personal interaction stuff. So, And Monty didn't want to lay that on people. What do yeah. you guys think? Do you guys think that this is, like, something that um, – is going to boil over or do you think it's just all it's going to take is one five minute conversation there and everything's fine. Brandon. I'll start first real quick. Uh, I think that's a great point. I, I touched on that at the beginning of the off season that I think this full off season, we're actually going to see more leaps from players because they'll have time to work on their games where last, you know, last off season was just, it went by in a flash and you had, you know, Booker and, you know, playing for uh, team USA right after, like there was no break. It was just kind of, you know, uh, it flashed right before our eyes and these guys didn't really have a chance to, to work on their games and get that rest that they probably needed or like mentally and physically uh, leading into the season. So I think this year, that's why I'm excited for guys like Mikel, Cam and DeAndre specifically to hopefully take uh, more of a leap because there, there truly wasn't a ton of time last off season for them to work on that stuff. So uh, that's what I'm most excited about. Just, you know, an actual off season to kind of reset and they sure as hell needed it after how game seven ended. So, um, you know, hopefully they're rejuvenated and, and focused because this is the first normal off season in, in quite a while. Yeah. So buck dog in the comments, I'll get to you just a sec. PLR buck dog says summer off or not. That's a situation that with DA that should not have been ignored. Uh, low suns, but if there's one guy you need to talk to, it's DA. Now let me just be real quick. I'm going to be old man for a sec. You guys see my beard. I've been a manager of people for about three decades now. Regular, just business people, obviously not sports. Um, but there is there is a way that you need to manage. Everyone needs to be managed differently. Every situation needs to be managed differently. And you can't be the guy who or the girl who just manages everybody the same, or it won't work. Then there's you've got discontent all up and down. So. I recognized a long time ago that there are, if a person really needs the, um, the virtual touch, obviously not physical touch that sends you to HR, but the virtual touch If the person needs the virtual, you know, the emotional touch, you've got 
to provide that to them if you want to keep them engaged. And others don't even want to talk to you and they'll get over it themselves. And you've got to treat them that way or they'll disengage. So I do agree that Monty should recognize that DA needs that talk it out time. Even if Monty doesn't think it needs to be talked out, like Monty told us, and he's been very consistent. And five months later, he's saying the same thing, which is it's not really anything to worry about. People get heated during games. Things happen during games and you get over it and you move on. And Devin Booker was dismissive about there being an issue over game seven and that whole thing. He's like, no, nah, that's not, that's not going to be a distraction for us. Chris Paul, that's not going to be a distraction for us. It could be because those guys don't need the, the, the virtual touch. They don't need the connection with their coach in the same way that a DA does. And I do feel like um, it's just got to happen. But I also feel like that as soon as it does happen, DA is not a dude who holds a grudge. The dude, he's a Bahamian. He does. He's not going to hold the grudge. That's my, so uh, PLR, I had to jump in. Sorry about that. Please tell me what your take is on the DA and money thing. I 100% agree. Um, like you from being a manager of people for a while, you do have to manage every single person based on their personality. Uh, you can't reward and you can't uh, soothe everyone the same way. I agree with that, but you know what? I think they're like a family in some sense. You have relatives that you could be with every day and talk to every day. And then you have those relatives that if you it, you need a break from. So you can go back to seeing them every day. So I think a basketball team that's been together this long, that appears that everyone, the, the core is going to be together. Sometimes you just need a break from that voice. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with them necessarily not speaking or not hanging out or having an in-depth yeah. conversation over the summer. Just need a break. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Coach says it seems strange that Monty wouldn't reach out once. It feels like that would be the str his strength to read the team. Uh, yeah, and then it, I do go to the sometimes you manage to what they need versus what they want, and maybe he felt DA needed space and time to you know I don't know. Uh, we'll see how the game, how the series, uh, how the season goes. DA holds a grudge, then that's really both of their problems. And it's a problem that can't be corrected if they're going to hold a grudge over something like that. I mean, that was, that was tough, but anyway, other players are saying DA is acting totally normal with them. Maybe a little bit more focused, a little bit more locked in, which is we've all wanted that, right? We've all begged for DA to be a little bit more locked in and he's doing it. So for us to like give him a hard time over that, is disingenuous on our part. That just means we're picking a fight. We're picking things to be unhappy about. So I am not at all unhappy about a more focused DA. I just hope it also includes him staying locked in with the team and being a teammate. And he said all the right things. He's not a guy who makes things up. He's He wouldn't have, if he didn't want, I mean, if he was a guy who could be disingenuous, he wouldn't have even addressed the, we haven't talked in, you know, since game seven. So it, DA is genuine. I think it's going to be fine. Whether the Suns trade him in a year or not will have nothing to do with game seven of the 2022 playoffs. Um, it'll have more to do with what happens this season. And that's where you got, you got to move forward. And that's what Booker and, and Paul do. So enough of that soap opera. Um, looking forward to DA himself. I feel like we are going to see the best DA that we've seen. 
in his career. I just hope he stays focused on the defense and rebounding end. Those, those, those fell off a little bit this past year, not significantly, but they fell off. And um, I think everything's going to be fine going forward. And we're going to see the best DA we've ever seen. Who else do you think is going to step up this year with something new? You kind of touched on it, Zona. Uh, tell me who who's the next guy you're going to see the biggest improvement from year over year. I'll go with Cam Johnson. I think uh, now that Jay's gone, he has all the opportunity in the world. And we saw what he was doing before that injury in the next game like he, he was on a tear leading up to that game for quite a while so i think uh you know now that that injury is fully healed and he had some time to work on some other stuff um he's a little more confident in the in the, the nba now i think at this point so i think he to me has possibly a higher ceiling offensively than mikhail and that's that's pretty exciting just to see what he can do and i really hope they get him some some high volume uh movement movement threes like throw them off screens, try to get him those uh, three-point attempts up a lot. Because that, that's one of the things I'm looking at is just the de- development of Cam because I think there's a lot more there in his game than sometimes even he gives himself credit for. And once he found that confidence, he was rolling. So that's that's a player I'm really looking out for. How about you, PLR? What do you, who Devin do you think Booker. Gonna step up? Hmm? Devin Booker. I think hey. Devin Booker definitely steps up. And I don't mean just points. I don't mean – you know, those superficial things. I think Devin, if anything, last year learned from game seven, if I'm going to be a superstar, because we all know there's a difference between a star and a superstar. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be a superstar, if I'm going to be a closer, if I'm going to have my name up there with the Birds and the Michaels and the Larrys and the Kobe's, and in a game that's crucial, it's better for me to go three for 50 than three for 11. Because there's something different. And I think last year, that's when he actually saw that. And so I think he's going to make that move this year to not just an all-star, but to an upper level all-star. Yeah, that was quite the, that's another thing that's not explainable to me that we're just going to have to watch out for this season. We're just going to have to watch out and see how it goes. Um, Devin Booker has always been the guy who, and when you're losing, he goes out and does everything he can to try to win the game. That's how he got part of the reason how he got to 70 points once when he was 19 years old. That's how he got 60 point games. And those are all in games where the Suns were down. Devin just kind of took the shackles off and started scoring like crazy. Um, he's always been great in closeout games. Oh my gosh. Um, the, his, his average in closeout games is 30 points, even including the few that he scored, the 11 that he scored in, in uh, uh, game seven that we're talking about here, even with that, it would be higher than obviously higher than 30 points. Cause he's only been in five closeout games. Right. Um, uh, and they were, they won every one of them until game seven. Um, so I don't know what happened there, but I don't think like there's a pattern of passivity. Um, he set a record for scoring in his first playoff run. Uh, and he's, he was great. He was injured in the first round and then he never quite found his rhythm after that. Uh, but man, I, I'm not worried about Devin Booker being a killer in the playoffs. I'm really not. He just, um, he just needs to be healthy and, uh, whatever was going on just needs to not happen again is all, but PLR, I love your, uh, I love your thoughts that book may be the guy who ascends the most this year. I also see it for another reason. 
because Chris Paul is going to be taking a step back or he's going to have to take a step back age wise. And, and for the sun's betterment, uh, Devin Booker is going to have to be doing more ball handling because the only other ball handler they really have on the team is campaign. Nobody else is a natural play initiator. And so when you've got Devin Booker in there with Chris Paul or Devin Booker with the bench, he's going to have to get the ball in his hands more. He scored. He had the most points per touch in the NBA, the entire NBA, the last two years, most points per touch. His touches are down the last two years because of Chris Paul. If those touches increase, he'll be right up there. And, and I think he, yes, I do think he's going to be top five of the MVP consideration this year, just like he was last year. He finished fourth. I think, um, he'll be top five again this year. He'll be that guy that everyone tries to write off until he just forces you to do it. Kind of like Jason Tatum. Those guys are always going to be the surprise MVP candidates because they don't look like the guys who, uh, generally win the MVP. So I, I get it. I, I think, uh, that's a great call PLR. Um, I think I'm going to go with that one too. I really do think uh, Devin Booker is going to take the biggest leap this year, and that's what the Suns will need to stay a contender. Um, another, think, uh, go ahead, real quick. I think uh, Book was on his way to doing that before that hammy injury. Like he was mm-hmm. the first player in the last 25 years to score 30 points in a single half in a playoff game without taking a single free throw. Like yeah. he was, he was in a like a, a mode that you know you just can't stop him when he's like that. So I feel like he was on his way. And like, I'm not saying I'm not trying to make excuses because like, you know, there's moments where he looked fine after that when he came back, but he definitely wasn't hundred percent. And I think uh, that kind of took him out of his rhythm a little bit. So uh, it's, it's a shame, but you know, I think health is the main thing. Just make sure that he's like this, him and CP just take care of their bodies leading into the playoffs. Because I feel like last regular season, they just kind of went a little too hard in the regular season, but uh yeah, that's that's the main thing I'm looking at too. So that's that's a good call, PLR. And that's a good point. We need to see how they're going to approach. Last year, every game meant the world to them. We'll see if this year every game means the world to them because they they got to know you got to be at your best at the end of the year, not all year. Because if, at some point you're going to hit a wall. Dave, I have a question for you, and, and you choose on it. And maybe this is me being old man. Get get off my lawn. <laughs> when I grew up watching basketball in the 80s and the 90s, guys played hard 82 games. It wasn't still the 60s? Had, yeah, I know what. And still had stuff left in the playoffs. Well, I just Every time I hear that, it just makes me cringe a little, knowing that guys like Jordan and, and even Kobe in the early 2000s would have a fit if you didn't play hard 82 games. And then they're still getting to the finals, and they're still playing hard and being productive. And now we're like, well, if you play too hard all year – you, you'll be too tired for the playoffs. <laughs> I, that just that just rubs me the wrong the wrong way. I don't know why. Maybe I'm old man, but that just bugs me. Uh yeah, you've got your handful of players who who could do that, right? Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, guys like that, um, who would not let up a single game. And then you've got the other players like Kawhi and LeBron and all that who literally have made careers out of taking a third of the season as as scrimmages and uh being at their best come playoff time and so you see the the different outcomes i mean steph curry also doesn't put out uh maximum effort every play i'm talking about the chris paul type of grind where the focus is every dribble is the best dribble you've ever had in your life you know that kind of focus 
there are so many players throughout history who really didn't give you every single ounce of their energy until it came to playoff time. And then they stepped it up. That's how you step up. That's how players get better is because they held back during the year. You're going to pick out a few PLR rightly. Uh, yeah. Michael Jordan wouldn't ever give up or take a game off. Neither would Kobe Bryant. Neither would, but Shaq definitely would. LeBron definitely would. Kawhi definitely would. Most of these, many of these guys definitely would. All I'm saying is they need to really be, they, they need to build throughout the year so that they have the best possible combination of every play type and every defense and all that by the end of the year. This year, they tried to peak the entire year. And just human nature is that you can't stay peaked forever. You could actually argue, and I haven't done this yet on a, on a big level because I haven't really looked into it, but the Suns have basically peaked for in terms of effort and focus for basically two and a half straight years before this playoffs because of the bubble and then immediately a two-month offseason to get into the 2019-20 year or 21-21 year, sorry. And then going right from the finals to especially book into the Olympics and then a month and a half later into the next season. And here's Chris Paul going, we got to win every game. Every milestone matters. Uh, that 18-game winning streak meant more to them than we thought maybe uh, it needed to. But all these things mattered so much to them. They were grinding so hard for so long. It could be they just hit the wall when they didn't think the wall was coming. And uh, we don't know, but I think this four month break will give us an insight into that. Does it recharge them or can they never get the charge back? That's what we got to find out. And do you know who I blame for the load management era? It's uh, Greg Popovich, actually. He kind of yeah. started, Tim right? Duncan, Tim Duncan never put out full effort for 82 games. Yeah. This other people saw that it worked and they try to emulate it. Uh, LeBron kind of made it a thing as well. And, it's, it's kind of trickled down across all sports. Now you see like in the MLB, like pitchers with their pitch count, like, you know, managers are watching that religiously and trying to keep these players like fresh. And, you know, I get it because at the same time, these are like multi-million dollar investments that you're trying to keep healthy. So you're thinking more long-term, but at yeah. the same time, it's, it's kind of like, I, I'm with you, PLR. I, it shouldn't even be a conversation like, oh, you know, this guy's going hard today. Like, you know, we got to, Praise him for that when in reality, well, there's physically the hard and then there's mentally hard. I guess I'm, yeah. I'm always, because I've never been, um, a, a great athlete, right? I don't, I haven't played college level basketball, let alone, you know, NBA level. So I don't know about the physically hard and I'm not talking really about that. I'm talking about the mentally being checked in dialed in yeah. 100%, no blinking for 82 straight games. That's rare. Yeah, and, and I don't think I don't think anybody even expects that. I think it's mm -hmm. the when you're when you're resting guys in the middle of the year because yeah, yeah, they no, no resting, but no, but, resting. but you can, I, I, but I you can, for the past. yeah, you can mentally check out for a half or whatever. Mm -hmm. Hell, I, I I think we've all heard great players in the past tell us know when to take your break in the game. You can be on the floor and take your break. You can let your other guy, you know, use his energy taking some shots for three four minutes and still a break. I don't even think that's what I'm looking at. I think what, what I'm afraid of with this team is that they may overcompensate the other way because last year it was so let's stay locked in, let's stay here, let's stay there, that this year may be the, well, maybe we take our foot off just a little bit to get a little bit of a break. So that's that's more my worry. 
um, and with the rest, because um, remember, Monty didn't rest anybody until we got almost to the very end of the season. I just don't want to see rest game in game 22. And Dave, like you said, Kawhi once rested game two, which yeah, was just no. insane. <laughs> I don't believe any of that crap. <laughs> Totally. That's I'm not talking about rest time. I I never, ever want to see guys rested on purpose. I don't even want to see like a lot of people are saying, oh, Chris Paul should rest this uh, one of the one game of a back to back all the time. No, I don't. I don't agree with that. But playing fewer minutes. But you know what requires? You know what's required of Chris Paul to be able to play fewer minutes in a game he's playing? The team can't be getting down 10 points when he's sitting. That's what's required. And what happened is, and, and I don't know if you guys um, uh, have this same feeling, but it occurred to me and I put it in an article I'm putting up on, on Brightside today where we're talking about campaign needing, where I'm talking about campaign needing to step up this year again and be, bring the best cam. Because if you guys recall the 2021 season where they went all the way to the finals, my recollection of the normal game cadence that year because it took the starting unit a while to gel, if you guys remember. Uh, the normal game cadence was the starting unit would barely keep it together. The bench unit with Dario and Cam and Cam would come out and get a lead in the third quarter. Yep. And then the starters would only have to hold on. That was the cadence of a game in the 2020-2021 season. Now, the, the 21-22 season, it was the opposite. The starters had to get the early lead. The bench would lose that lead. And then Chris Paul would have to come in and be Superman. Remember, we're all like, oh, Chris Paul's back. When's he going to turn it on? When's he going to make 18 straight shots? You know, whatever it is. And Devin Booker. And those guys had to be the best clutch players in history. And still the Suns would win by eight points on average. Seven and a half point margin was the best in the league by almost two points a game. But that's only because Chris Paul and Devin Booker dominated so much in the fourth quarter after the bench had lost the lead. And that been guess what? Chris Paul played the most minutes he had played since he was 29 years old. We need the opposite. We need to go back to the 2020-2021 year where campaign isn't crapping the bed and Dario is helping. And I really think Dario will help. And Cam talked about that um, uh, this week a little bit in that um, playing with JaVale, and Bismack is a little different than playing with Dario. Dario's a pick and pop. So he sets a nice strong pick and then he pops out and forces the defender, one of those defenders out of the paint. Whereas JaVale and Bismack would dive because they can't shoot from the outside. And, and then all of a sudden the paint was clogged with two defenders where campaigns trying to navigate those two defenders. So I think campaign will improve simply because Playing with Dario is like a natural fit for him better than playing with a JaVale. He'll still have game minutes with Bismack, but playing in the two-man game with Dario, I think is going to really help. They're, you got to save the line. Let's, you got to save, the, you gotta save the line. Dario Sarage, blanks, campaign. Unlocks. Da unlocks. Yes, Dario Sarage unlocks campaign. Yeah. I've seen that everywhere. It's literally nonstop. It's I know. That's why I didn't want to say it. <laughs> um, but what you, the other thing you said was funny, too. You said, Bismack can't shoot from the outside. He can't shoot from the inside. <laughs> he can't shoot. He looks, like, he looks like he's throwing a refrigerator into the, into the moving truck when he's shooting. 
Come on, guys. No, no Bismack hate here. Let's go. No, he's wonderful. But I swear to God, he, he looks like he's throwing oh, a really – like yeah, a medicine ball over his it, head. It is. It's rough. It's just a form. It's a shooting form, but it's not a consistent one. All right, we got to take a second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for you. New customers, just $5 bet on any team to win, and you get $200 in free bets if they do win. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Those get, both parlays are awesome. You can bet on first touchdown, first catch, all these things. Right now, for every leg, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. So, and even to make things sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once, once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that is what you got to do. That's code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, okay, so that does segue me into Dario playing some four. I've been against that for two years now. What do you guys think about Dario getting some time next to a Biz or a DA? Why wouldn't he? PLR. Why, why yeah. wouldn't he? I said, why wouldn't he? Because I, I he can't he, stay with those guys on the perimeter. He'd be forced he couldn't guard the paint. Yeah, but you know what? They got to also stay with him and do what he does. And so then he has to just be more effective offensively. There's so many guys in this league, if we really just go through matchups, Luka can't stay with anybody. But what he does offensively trumps what he can't do defensively. So when when he's on the floor, he just has to make you pay or at least pay attention to him offensively, which will free someone else up. So there, that, there, there's matchup problems everywhere. But what he can do on the other end with what you said, the pick and the pop and the stretching the floor and the creating space, that'll alleviate hopefully what he gives up on the other end. Well, he was, he did lead the league in the 2020-2021 season. He led the league for a long time in plus minus. And that's why I remember correctly that it was the bench that got the Suns the big leads that first year with Chris Paul. And the second year it had to be Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting those leads. Because and Dario does unlock, he unlocks the whole second unit, not just campaign. I think he's just a great player. But I worry about him playing with another big man. That's my that's my worry. We'll see how that goes. Um, either way, he's going to get 20 minutes a night, and it'll be either playing the five or playing the four, and it'll be all all be fine. I'm just splitting hairs at this point. I worry that in playoff time, like he would have been great. Look, Dario might have spelled the difference in that Bucks series in the finals because Dario would have been able to check Brooke Lopez or or um, Bobby Portis, who played as second big next to Giannis when Aiton was being isolated against Giannis defensively. They, the Suns could have at least held a little better on rebounding, and Dario probably would have helped against the Pelicans. So teams that go big, that is helpful. It's very helpful. And then if they go small, hey, you got campaign. Just throw Cam out there and you stay small. So the Suns do have the mix and match ability. So I like that. I just don't want them putting Dario out on an island against a really fast guy. That's all. Um, 
Yeah, and you've got Tory Craig. Yes, Tory Craig also has to step up off the bench. Tory is extremely hot and cold. Um, yeah, so I think we're counting on Dario a little too much. No, no, I'm just saying these are margins, man. We're talking buck dog. These are, we're talking on the margins. Um, he is a very effective player out there. He does a lot of little things that don't show up on the stat sheet, and that's kind of thing. Now we'll transition into Jay Crowder. How much of a loss if the Suns are just minus J period, no replacement player, minus J period. you got Cam Johnson now in the starting lineup. You've got Dario as his primary backup. Torrey Craig as a secondary backup at power forward. The, um, they're a little light on basically overall wings, like Mikel's going to have to play more minutes than usual probably. Um, what do you think of the Suns' regular season as just minus J PLR start with you. I, I don't know if you remember, but months ago I was on and I said, they have to move J for a real big. And I remember you saying to me, what is a real big? And I said, anybody who's really bigger than him. I just, I, I like J I do, but I like J as my seventh, eighth player. So if I have to answer that, honestly, I don't think much will be missed. I think, it's long overdue that Cam is a starter. Now with Dario back with those minutes, now hopefully with campaign playing better, I just don't – I it, when Jay is on, he's on. I mean, we're talking three, four, five threes in a row. But when he's off, we're like one for 40. So – and then defensively, when you talk about speed, he doesn't have the lateral speed that he used to have. So a lot of times when he's slow moving his feet – there's been quite a few games where he's picked up two, three early fouls, and that's a lack of foot speed or a lack of discipline there. So I'm not saying they don't need him. What I'm saying is without him, I think it's like you buy a dozen donuts and get home and there's 11. Yeah, that 12th one would have been great, but that those 11 are going to fill you up just as well. Oh, there's an analogy. <laughs> How about you, Zona? What do you think? How much are the Suns going to miss – Jay, if he's not replaced and he's just a minus. So I agree with PLR that it's overdue for Cam to start. Um, I do think Jay is still a very valuable player to have in, in the sense that, you know, just from a toughness and, you know, playing the villain role, that's something I'm kind of worried about with the Suns team. Like who's going to bring that, you know, you know, just looking at the technical fouls on the team last year, we had Devin Booker at 15, uh, which is tied for seventh most in the league. Chris Paul was, uh, 14 tied with Jay Crowder. Um, and th those two were, I think, 10th in the league. So Jay Crowder kind of, he was a guy that would get in people's faces. He would clap in people's faces. He would, you know, shove someone if they needed to be shoved. He would be the the enforcer uh, mm -hmm. in, in those mental games. And that's something I don't yeah. really see. Who's the enforcer now? Biz I don't man? see one. I don't, I don't see one really. I, I don't. And you don't want Chris. Nobody Bart fights Biz. To see that. The only question is whether Biz is on the floor. Exactly. Because he won't so. be playing as much. Yeah, so I, that's my biggest worry with Jay. It's not even so much about the basketball stuff. It's just the intangibles and the the you know being a vocal leader on the court. Like he, I agree his his uh, speed defensively was definitely starting to get more of an issue. Uh, I think he was getting played off quicker wings, and uh, but I do think his communication on the back line was was very valuable, and his ability to guard those bigger forwards. Uh, that that's the biggest weakness for the Suns team right now, outside of shot creation. I think is just someone that can guard 
you know, traditional the fours bigger, or like thicker those, forwards. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, we all saw it against Luca, right? I mean, Monty basically had his plan never deviated from it because partially because he didn't have the personnel and every piece of the personnel fell apart. Jay Crowder could not stay with Luca. Camp Johnson was getting bullied. Mikel Bridges just was getting picked off. Basically, um, the the stats show that if they left Mikel on Luca, he wasn't as effective. But they schemed everything to get Mikel off of Luca, and nobody else could contain. Right? They often put Chris Paul on the island. They often put Da on the island, and and Luca just ate those guys up. So what do you do this time? You do, you know, obviously you have something about less switching, whatever. You change your scheme a little bit. But the bottom line is Cam Johnson couldn't hold up against somebody tough and physical. And um, and neither could Jay Crowder. So who's going to be that enforcer even when Jay wasn't enough? Um, so I really do. I, I am wondering about that. And I do hope so they get another big body. PLR, my difference on the big body is that the big body looks like a six, eight forward. Who's about two forty, two fifty, rather than a seven foot big man who can only play in the paint. That's all. That's the big problem I have is I need somebody who can move around the perimeter and is also big, which is rare. Those are not common. Um, Harrison Barnes is an example, but we'll go into the trade ideas. Now let's go into trade ideas. So the Suns do want to trade Jay. They've been trying to get the best J deal all summer, but they've been trying to do it as a trade up where uh, Jake, you know, Jay would be a piece that uh, another team would want in their rotation to replace a starter makes pretty good money expires next summer so they can move on and, and the Suns can trade up. The Suns have been trying for that. That has not worked. So now they kind of got to decide what are they going to do? Are they going to wait Throughout the season, that's why I was asking you guys if the Suns are, are net negative, significantly net negative without Jay going into the season. And I don't think they are in the first half of the season. I think where a guy like Jay matters is more toward the end and into the playoffs. A good playing Jay, right? The 2021 Jay, not the 2022 Jay. So whether the Suns do it now, whether the Suns do it in a few months, what's your favorite? I listed a few trade packages in our show notes. The first one I'm going to talk about is the one that Gambo is thinking that he's heard. The guy Gambo, uh, John Gambadoro on 98.7 FM, he has really good sources. He's got contacts all over the league. So if it's if he's bringing it up, it has been talked about. It doesn't mean it'll happen, right? He talked about Harrison Barnes a year ago. That hasn't happened. That doesn't mean they're not talking about it. Teams are talking, okay? And what's being talked about is potentially Jetty Osman from the Cavaliers as a guy coming back uh, for Jay Crowder to the Cavs. Now let's, let me talk about that situation just for a little bit. The Cavs are looking really good and they're shooting for a top four seed this year, right? They got Donovan Mitchell. They got all-stars Donovan Mitchell and um, um, oh crap. I just forgot the point guard. Darius Garland. Garland. Yeah. Darius Garland at all-star point guards. They have all-star front court guys uh, like potentially with Evan Mobley and then the Jared Culver, I think. No, I'm sorry, not Jared Culver. Ha ha. Jared Allen. Um, actually, I think got named to the All-Star game that last year, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah. So they've got four guys who are really good, but they don't really have that fifth starter. And that's a small forward, and that's where Jay would fit really well. Their fifth starters are one of Jenny Osman or 
um, Isaac Okoro or someone like that. They just signed Dean Wade to a three-year $18 million contract. Think of him like a campaign, though. That's really kind of backup money. That's not necessarily starter money. Um, not size-wise, Dean Wade. Dean Wade's bigger, but I mean just role-wise. So they've got a lot of options, but not any difference-making option. So what would you really, would, would you want to get back? I'm thinking the reason we haven't seen a Jetty Osmond trade for Jay Crowder is because the Suns are probably wanting more than, than him. Like, for example, they didn't want just Boyan Bogdanovich from Utah for a one-year thing. They wanted Boyan and Jared Vanderbilt, so they had current and future on the team. I wonder if the Suns are holding out for Jetty Osmond and Isaac Okoro. For example, who's a 21-year-old former top lottery pick who hasn't really panned out yet, but has a great future. Um, so, what do you guys think of that trade of uh, Jetty Osmond, who is an okay three-point shooter? He's kind of like, kind of like a Landry Shaman, except maybe he's got a little bit more shoot first, think think second ability than Landry did this past year. What do you think of a Chetty Osmond? I think. Uh... You know, first off, if the Cavs are going to start Jay at small forward, they're in for a rude awakening. I don't think he can guard threes uh, as effectively. He's more suited to be kind of that that four uh, in a small ball lineup. So I'm interested to see how that works out. But uh, as far as Osman, I think he'd be a, a decent fit. He's not someone that's going to play in the playoffs, though, and that's that's what they need. They need someone, whoever they get back in a Crowder trade or to fill in that that void on the, on the bench, uh, needs to be someone you could rely on in the playoffs and – I'm not sure he's that guy. Uh, you know, he, during the regular season, he could, you know, fill some some minutes and, you know, get hot every once in a while, you know, drain five or six threes like we saw him do to the Suns a couple times uh, last season. Mm -hmm. And Okoro yeah, had actually, two good games against the Suns. <laughs> yeah, I actually like Okoro, though, I think uh, defensively. You know, he has a long mm -hmm. way to go offensively. He's a good cutter, though, and pretty athletic, uh, which is something the Suns desperately is need. Is he so. significantly different than Josh Okoge? I seriously don't know. Yeah, they're they're similar at this point. He just has more size, so he's someone you could put on some of those bigger forwards. And like, uh, and I think there's a little more upside too, just because of that size. Like, he's a little more athletic, and I shouldn't say more athletic than Akogi. Because Akogi is very athletic, but I think combined with his height, he actually can get to the rim. So uh, I, I like that fit, but uh, overall, it's still not the most inspiring package. But at the same time, you're trading Jay Crowder. Like, how much how much do you expect to get back? True. Um, okay, we're going to quickly go into what do you, what is your favorite trade among the likely ones? We've heard maybe Atlanta for John Collins. That would definitely be uh, going bigger, like going better, right? Um, maybe Dylan Brooks from Memphis, Harrison Barnes from the Kings, O'Shea Brissett for some reason from the Pacers. I don't know why that's even being put out. Grayson Allen because the Bucks might want Jay. Like, what sounds good to you, or do you guys have a better idea? PLR, you go first. I, I honestly, I think um, some of the names you you mentioned is like trying to trade a 2020 Ultima SE for a 2020 Ultima SL. Like, you're just <laughs> trading for the sake of making a trade. At at this point, honestly, I agree with the Suns. I think you shoot for the moon and see what you can what you can land on. But we're talking about an aging player who's skills are declining. I mean, that's what happens when you're an aging player. Your skills decline, and you think you're going to get a, a young guy 
you got to swindle a team out of a young guy. All right, and old they, man, just tell me which one you like best. Come on. None, none <laughs> of them. I, I, I would rather see who's available as a street free agent. I don't think they're going to get anything uh, that they're looking for with wow. Jay. I, I really don't. Okay, we'll see. So your thought is that they're going to eventually just let DA stay home and maybe not even trade him, maybe just release him at the Jay. trade deadline. Jay. Jay, Jay sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, you think. I, yeah, I, I mean, unless unless they can convince someone, I mean, I, I don't know. I, every trade you just mentioned, right? Everyone you just mentioned, if you were that other team, would you do it? So that that's why. Actually, I'm like, uh, if I'm Memphis, I do want a small forward like Jay. But you're not giving up Dylan Brooks. Well, I don't know why that was being. I think it's a money match thing. Like he's the only <laughs> one who matches money wise. What about to the Bucks? The Bucks definitely would want Jay. Uh, but I would not zone. want Grayson Allen. What the hell? Thug free, thug free zone here. <laughs> thug, thug free all the way. Oh, zone. and definitely no Dylan Brooks or Grayson Allen. Well, yeah. Dylan Brooks at least These can play. Breakers. At least Dylan he can Brooks play. is a is an elbow breaker though. Yeah, but at least he can play. Grayson Allen suspended. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but yeah, Dylan no, no. Brooks actually, um, he kind of hurt his stock in the playoffs this past year. They only played the one, is it two rounds they played? But uh, he shot like thirty-five percent and led the team in shot attempts after John Murray. Listen, if they can get right now, if they can convince Memphis, give them a couple bo- bottles of bourbon and have that talk then, and get Dylan Brooks, that's the one thug zone that I'd move into because that cat can flat out. Thugs. Remember, remember, they thought they wanted him before. They wanted Dylan Brooks yeah. before. It just didn't work out. Dude could play hell. I, covering ASU basketball, I saw him bust ASU's ass a bunch of times. Dude can play. <laughs> what do you think, Zona? Yeah, I mean, none of these names really move the needle for me either. But like, like I said, it, it's it's Jay Crowder. So what, what do you expect to get? Uh, Harrison Barnes, I think, would be an underrated one. But why do the Kings do that uh, outside of maybe trying to get more of a veteran presence when you know Barnes at this point is a veteran veteran himself yeah so. I was gonna say if they're gonna trade Harrison Barnes they don't want Jay Crowder back exactly they want um, something else back and same with like John Collins I think that's you know Suns would have to probably send a lot more back to to get that done um but yeah for the, for the most part it's gonna be something it's probably gonna end up being something like that Cleveland package that you mentioned that's that's reality so um I at this point I'm not expecting a ton back but uh, if they can get someone that could play in the playoffs, even if it's just for, you know, someone to make that playoff rotation, that that'd be a win at this point. Even if it's their eighth eighth man or even their ninth right. man at this point, I, w- I would take it. So uh, I think you just got to find that guy because uh, you know injuries happen and you know the the rotation chart can get pretty thin pretty quick. So uh, and another point, Jay Crowder actually led the Suns in net rating last year, surprisingly. So. I no, no. I mean, Abdul, he does a lot of the little things. Yeah. Abdul Nader is still out there. Oh, oh God, Nader. <laughs> I'd rather have Carmelo. Hey, the, uh, you mean the Abdul Nader who was out for three months with knee injuries and showed up in the Western Conference Finals with, with significant minutes? That Abdul? You just wish someone loved you as much as Monty loved him. Oh, man. <laughs> Ellie to Abdul and now to uh, campaign to an extent. Uh, oh man, tough. Or no, Landry Shaman is his latest love child. 
Um, yeah. Todd Gibson, um, Ted Lubin suggests Todd, you know, maybe you're thinking five years ago, not today's Todd Gibson. Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, so there are not very many exciting Jay Crowder trades out there. That's for sure. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. My, the most likely answer is the Suns are just minus Jay for a while. And I would not even be surprised if the second best odds are that Jay returns to the team with big smiles. Nobody threw him under the bus this week. Everybody said they respect his position. Jay's position for those who aren't paying attention, sorry, or didn't pick up on it. Jay doesn't want to leave the Suns. What he wants is just more security, job security. He has one more year left on his deal. Next summer, he's going to be 33 years old looking for a deal. If he spends a year coming off the bench because the Suns started Cam Johnson ahead of him, his deals are going to be looking like a part of the MLE, right? One-year deals for the rest of his career. But if he can start another year, he could go the P.J. Tucker route and keep getting $10, $12 million a year for the next five years. That's why Jay is holding out because he wants at least a starting position, if not an extension that guarantees the money he won't get next year coming off the bench. And the Suns just don't want to give him either. And that's okay. The Suns are allowed to, to make those decisions. So anyway, we'll see. I think it's probably more likely Jay comes back than even the getting traded. Let's move into the third quarter. Zona, we're going to, uh, we're going to focus on your over-unders. You're going to run this section, and we're going to just – we're all going to vote. Everybody in the chat, you're going to participate. So go ahead and get us going on the over-unders. All right. Let's do this quick – a little quick run-through. Uh, so the first over-under, Devin Booker points per game. Uh, right now it's at 26.7. Last season he had 26.8. So you take an over-under that. We'll start with, with UPLR. 30 a game this year. Over. Ooh. I'm going to do the over as well. I really think he's going to he's going to start taking over even more than he has cuz he Devin Booker has truly given up a lot of touches these last 2 years to make this to help the Suns be better, but he's, his points per touch have led the league as I mentioned earlier. Um so I'm going to go over as well. What do you think, Zona? I'm going to say slightly over. Um, I don't think it'll be the 30 range, but I think he'll, he'll kind of be right in that ballpark and probably have a couple more breakout games that kind of bump that up a little bit. Um, would you I'm bet more, the over? I would. Um, if I had to place a bet on it, would I wouldn't bet on this. It's too close for me personally, but uh, mm-hmm. if I had to bet, I would, I would take the over. Would you bet the over PLR? Would you put yes. money down? Yes, in fact, I want to get a little side action with Zona once we're done with this, with this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Next one, um, Devin Booker. Oh, by the way, in the chat. Sorry, we're about mixed. We got about half as many overs as unders in the chat. Um, so this one's kind of like on the fence. I don't know that I would bet this one either, but I do feel like he's going to have a great year. Go ahead. Yep. So next one, uh, Devin Booker, three pointers made in a single game, six point five. So is he going to hit seven, or is he going to be stuck on that six curse? Start with Dave. Oh my God. I've I've done so many articles on Brightside about how he can't get past six in a game. He's had That's six that. so he many times in the playoffs. Finally. He did get eight in the playoffs, 
And then he, I think he did finally exceed six this past year in one of his regular season games. I don't have time to look it over right now, but I do feel like he is, that's an over. I would take the over on that one for sure. And I would bet it over in the first month. Let's go. Oh, you're even stepping forward over in the first month. Uh, in the chat, we're looking at a lot of overs on this. Everyone's so positive about Devin Booker exceeding that. It's it's just crazy. He's got over a dozen six-game, six, uh, six uh, threes games. And only one, if any, um, over six in the regular season. So, all right. I'll smash that over, too. I think it's going to be a double digit. I think it's going to be a 10 or 11 type game. I, I'm calling a... This will lead us into the next question, but I think he's going to have one of those games this year. Uh, it's it's overdue because last year he didn't have a single 50-point game. He had a 49-point game, um, which leads me to this next over-under question. Uh, Booker's highest-scoring game over or under 51.5, so 52 points or more. Last season's high, like I said, was 49. We'll start with PLR on this one. Yep, he does it two to three times. Dave? Uh, yeah, hey, just going back while you were talking there, Brandon, I did go back and look and know he has still not exceeded six three-pointers made in a game in his career. <laughs> in, in a regular, regular season. season. Regular season. season. Playoffs he has, but not regular season. Um, now, highest scoring game. Um, high of 49 last season. He could have done more than 49, but the Suns, I, I'm pretty sure, had a comfortable lead and he didn't play uh, as many minutes in that game at the in the fourth quarter as he could have. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have an over, but I would not bet this one. I don't think the highest scoring game is anything on, on Devin Booker's radar. I think he just wants to win games. Um, I think he'll average 28 to 30 this year, but I don't know that he'll go over 49 in any game. So I would, I wouldn't necessarily bet that. All right, Dave, a little side action after the show. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll take the over on this one too. I think it's, it's going to be one of those nights. I don't know when it's going to happen, but he's going to get close to 60. Uh, he might even hit 60. I think it's it's overdue that he just has a game that, you know, we've seen him have like those stretches in the first half where he's dominant and then he kind of, you know, has 10, 12 points in the second half and winds up 42 or something. But I think he's going to have one of those masterpieces where he puts it together for two halves and that's going to be beautiful. So just stay tuned. And as long as he doesn't um, pull a hamstring at halftime, I mean, shoot that 31 points in the game two of the Pelican series. Good Lord. He could not miss. Um, By the way, Devin Booker, even last year had his most three point uh, six, six make three point games of his career too with four and never exceeded it. (laughs) Sorry. I'm, I'm down that rabbit hole. Go on to your next one there, buddy. All right. Moving on to the big fella uh, over under, DeAndre and rebounds per game at 10.5, which means, uh, you know, he'd have to improve by a little bit from last season. He was at 10.2 last season. So we'll start with Dave on this one over or under. Uh, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under because I think he's going to be more focused on the scoring side and less focused on the rebounding side. Uh, while he could rebound just about anything that gets up there and he has the talent that could do, he definitely gets rebounds in traffic. Um, I don't know that he's going to exceed last year's or even his career basically um, in rebounding, but he'll be right there. He'll be in the tens. 
He'll be in double digits, but I don't know that he'll exceed 10.5. I would not take that bet. Kiko, by the way, says Booker's going to exceed um, his 49 against the Mavs. Hell, it might even be game one. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What do you uh, what do you think PLR is De- is DeAndre Ayton going to exceed 10.5 rebounds per game? Yes, I think he will have an all-star season. I think the difference is he will have meaningful 2010s. Last year sometime his 2010s were I, I hate to say that in the NBA cuz everything you do is meaningful, but they they were almost like backdoor 2010s. I think this year he will have meaningful uh, You're just being quiet rebounds. 2010s, don't you? Yeah, so you know what, though? I think the difference is I agree with you defensively. He may not have as many, but I think offensive rebounds will actually go up. And so I think he'll get some cheap baskets like that as well. So I'm going over 10.5. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the over as well. I think no one on this damn team can rebound in the first place. That, that's the biggest issue with this team. So I think he's going to have to step, especially with the JaVale gone, Uh you know they're they're going to be relying on him to pull him down. So if if he's not, they're in trouble at this with the way this roster is constructed. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the over on that and let's leak into the next one. Hey, uh, no, real real quick, how many 2010s do you think DeAndre Ayton had last year? PLR? How many? Um, yeah, sixteen. Uh, he had twelve. He had 12 2010s last year. And uh, backing into him, yeah, I mean, maybe I would I would just put it as they were quiet, right? They weren't any bit different or better than a 20 and 8 or a 16 and 12. Um, I, I get what you're saying there. So you're just saying he's going to be more impactful. He's going to be more, um, more memorable in his 2010s this coming year. Is what yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because do you remember the Stefan Marbury years? He get like 10 assists. But five yeah. of them will be after they were already down by 20. So it was like it, or the Sammy Sosa home runs that one year where he had like 40, but 25 of them came when they were down by three runs. It is it, meaningful in impacting the game and playing well. That's what I mean. Yep. Gotcha. All right. Next one. We're going to stick with DeAndre for this one and do blocks per game. So last season he had 0.7. Uh, which is a career low for him. His career average is right around one. So we'll do 1.1 blocks per game. We'll start with Dave on this one. Ted Lubin in the chat says, uh, how many games will DA lead the team in field goal attempts this year? Uh, Depends on how many games both Booker and Paul are out. That's my answer. Um, So your question is, will DeAndre Aiden exceed 1.1 blocks per game? No. And the reason I say that is because that's not what he tries to do, right? JaVale McGee, other guys like that will sell out defensively to get the block. The problem is if they miss on the block, they're not in position for rebounding and they certainly can't like stop the drive, right? Because they're trying to do the, do the weak side block and all that. So DeAndre Ayton is much more fundamental than that. I don't think uh, Tim Duncan ever cared about leading the league in blocks. I'm not comparing DeAndre Ayton to Tim Duncan. What I'm doing is I'm talking about mindset. Mindset is positional defense, keeping your feet, keeping your balance, and being able to get that rebound on the missed shot that you just forced. Um, So I don't think DeAndre Ayton cares. I don't think Monty cares that he gets uh, a block a game or not. Um, So I I don't think he's – I call the under on that. 
I see, I go with the over because I think just playing good defense at seven foot tall, seven feet tall, you should be able to get an accidental block a game. You're asking, little, you're asking little, literally for about 102 blocks. Well, no, the difference is that I know I understand what you're saying, PLR, but the difference is that to get the block, you have to swing your arm forward, and that's a foul if you touch anything but the ball to get just to do the positional vertical defense. It's almost impossible to get the block. That's why I'm saying he doesn't try for him, even though even when he's playing great defense, lucking into him, you're more likely to luck into uh, committing fouls. Yeah, well, I'm talking about like, maybe on, on switches. I'm sorry. Like maybe on switches, I think he gets some cheap ones there. So ah, that's why I said weak ac- side. Ac- yeah, okay. Yeah, ac- accidental blocks. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take the over too, but I think that kind of depends on if the our statistician actually wants to credit him for blocks because he misses out on about 10 to 15 yeah. a year. And it's yeah, the most the frustrating heck? thing in the world, like watching it back. I'll go back and, you know, I, I need to put together like a highlight reel of all the missed blocks because it's, it's bad, but. I'll take the over. Uh, you look at his second and third year in this in the NBA, and 1.5 blocks per game in his second year, mm-hmm. uh, 1.2 in his third year. So I think he'll get more closer to that range. I think last year was just kind of a, a down year on that. Uh, just kind of a weird outlier, but we'll we'll see. I think I'll be close to that 1.2, 1.3 range. So I'll take okay. the over. All right, next one. Mikael Bridges over under points per game at 14.9. So he's going to hit, is he going to hit the 15 mark last season? He had 14.2. We'll start with PLR on this one. Okay. So here's a reluctant. Yes. Because I believe he almost has to um, for this team to be effective offensively. Um, I know that sounds weird. I'm not doubting his, his offensive uh, prowess, but I think with, with Cam being in the starting lineup, the ball will, will be spread more, but he will still have to be more effective. So a reluctant yes to 15 points. Yeah, I'm going to go with the under on this one. Um, people have given Mikel a pass for his def- deferential personality offensively for so long compared to, and I know it's draft position and all this crap, but Basically, what they hold against DeAndre is they don't hold that same thing against Mikel. I think Cam Johnson is going to see the biggest jump in scoring, and Mikel is going to see hardly any change. Uh, so Mikel, it just I just don't see it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to go the under on 14.9. He'll be in the 14s. He'll be in the 13s, whatever it is. But that doesn't drive him. It doesn't drive him. I think DA is going to get up nearer to 20. Um, and points per game. Cam Johnson's going to see an increase in points. Devin Booker's going to see an increase in points. And by extension, I think Mikel will see a decrease or or just a leveling off. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be – it'll be close. I think 14.9, like I wouldn't be surprised if that was the exact number he landed on because just looking at his previous development, like from his rookie to sophomore year, he had – he improved by like point four points per game or something like that. Maybe it was 0.8. And then um, he had like a 4.5 point leap from his, uh, you know, second season to his third. And then last season went up like 0.7. So there's been, he had one like little leap that that was nice. But other than that, he's just gradually getting a little bit better. I think it'll be more towards that end of the the spectrum this year. So um, yeah, I'll say, I'll say under, but it's going to be very close to just, just under 15. 
All right. All right. Next up, Cam Johnson time. Let's talk about his salary. Um, so his annual salary, we'll start. I'm going to change this actually to, all right. So oh. over under 15 million per season uh, annually. Go ahead, PLR, you first. You're on mute, PLR. Sorry, how much does Mikel make? Because um, I think Mikel makes twenty one. Then you, I think after this year, you're gonna have to pay him more than fifteen. I don't think you're gonna have a choice. I, honestly, okay, offense sells tickets, and Cam is a better offensive player than Mikel. So I think you have to; those two have to be one A, one B in salary. However, you want to mix them up, but he has to make more than fifteen million. Otherwise. You're going to have another DA situation on your hand. He's going to be looking to leave. So this, this summer when during the down period, I did an inordinate amount of research on um, extensions and contracts for guys who, who profile like Cam Johnson. Uh, And the reality is that the best shooters becoming off the bench only get around 15 million. But if you're a starter, you're suddenly in the 18 to 20 million range. And now that the Suns have named Cam Johnson their starter, he's going to get more opportunities. He's going to play about 30 minutes a game. He's going to take a few more shots. And now you're in the Bogdan Bogdan Boyan Bogdanovich range. See, the difference between the two is Bogdan and Boyan, right? Boyan, starter, 19 million a year. Bogdan, part-time starter, mostly bench, got less than that. So I really think either way, Cam's over 15 now, but I think he's probably going to agree to an extension that has an average annual value before the season starts of an average annual value of 18 to 19 million. It'll be increasing probably because the cap's going to be going up. I really do think um, that he's going to be making closer to 20 million than 15 million in his extension on an average contract. Yeah, I agree. I think they wait. They should have extended him as early as possible for that reason, because now that he's going to be starting, opportunity is going to be there, and his value is only going to go up, especially if he has a, a breakout season as a starter. So uh, I'll, I'll take the over as well. I think it's going to be somewhere, I agree, like that 18 to 20 range uh, per season. And, you know, it seems a little bit steep, but at the same time, like you mentioned, the cap going up, it's going to look like a, a steal down the road. So um, I think locking in DeAndre – uh, book and, and the twins is, is a huge win for the Suns, and they just got to get it done. So, Buck Dog has a question How much would we actually pay to keep Jay? That's the million, that's that's the $10 million question. Right now, he makes $10 million. He's looking not to go down on salary, he wants an extension that keeps him in that range. And then at that point, he may not care whether he starts or not if he gets that money right now. So, but you can't pay your bench guy. Jay Crowder, 33 to 36-year-old Jay Crowder, $10 million. You just can't. He's going to be getting contracts if he's coming off the bench in his future in the in the five million range. So I, I think how much would it actually how much would Jay accept as an extension is going to be in the 10 million range. And I don't think it's worth it to give it to him. You, you know what, Dave? I would. I would give him. Uh, 10. You just said we're not going to miss Jay Crowder. Now you're going to give him okay. ten million but, plus. But 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 I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. If he's going to come back, and he agrees to be 
that seventh, eighth guy, and he does bring the toughness that you guys are looking for, I would give him a one more year deal for ten million with the team option. Because one more year, we have one more year, so so that way he has his money guaranteed this year, his money guaranteed next year, and then you have a team option for that final year. Because the guys that you're naming, that's just like government cheese trades. So if you're going to spend the ten million, spend it on what you know than what you don't know. I think you guys are more optimistic on me with the whole Jay thing. I think he's gone. I don't think there's any chance he comes back after that because that's, mm. you know, that's, that's a especially with how this team operates now. Like this isn't the Eric Bledsoe days anymore. Like where, you know, that it's a dysfunctional organization and like he kind of at least had that behind that request. I think Jay handled it a little poorly, and uh, you know that's why he deleted that tweet instantly. And I don't think there's any recovering from that, to be honest. So, you know, what's a real breath of fresh air is um jock landale so jock landale is a 15th man who got um acquired by the suns this summer he played for the spurs last year the spurs who are the epitome of we lost his voice oh, you just cut out my bad the spurs are the epitome of a professional franchise they're the, they're the, they're the, if you're going to be a mature franchise that everyone respects and all that, you want to be like the Spurs. Jock Lando played for the Spurs last year. He got moved around this summer and now he's with the Suns. He un, unprompted in a uh, post-practice interview yesterday said he's so impressed at how good this organization is, how professional the Suns organization is, how mature everybody is, how they're all focused on the right things. He didn't have to say that. But he chose to say that, and he's coming from the Spurs. So I, I really think people are overblowing the Suns are imploding uh, storyline or Suns are going to fall apart storyline. Um, and I, I think that's good. What I do think is that they all still respect Jay. Jay respects them. He wants an extension. If for some reason the Suns decided, okay, fine, let's do the PLR thing. Let's give him a one-year extension, although I think you have to go two. But let's just say a two-year extension with a team option on the second year of $10 million. Um, that might be enough to get Jay to come back and play happy off the bench. Um, although it, it may or may not be enough. I'm not quite sure. But we'll, that's something that the Suns could think about. Uh, Ted Lubin asked, does it depends on who buys the team? We should not expect any new owner of the team for months. Months. Because Sarver's going to try to get every penny out of that deal that he can while he's on his one year suspension. So I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen right away with the Suns. Um, uh, big, you know, sale wise of the team. I think it's just the matter is that we just hope it's somebody who's going to be uh, willing, to, willing to spend like a Steve Ballmer. That would be ideal. That'd be great. Well, what about Dave King? Why don't ah, you buy the team, Dave? All I need is $4 billion and uh, I could do it. You know, I don't have any of that money, <laughs> but I'll be an executive in the team. Sure. I'll work with James Jones. Um, okay. So our final over under, and then we got to get going or, or final question. What do you got? We actually, uh, we got two more, but we'll, we'll scrap the last one. We'll, we'll do this one. So Suns winning 54 games over or under the Vegas over under is actually 51 and a half. So I, I figured since this is a Suns podcast, we're going to be a little more optimistic. So that, that's why I bumped it up to 54. Um, we'll start with PLR on this one. No, 52 and 30 this year. 
Ooh, pessimist coming from left field. Boom. Can we just, for a second, 52 wins and we're, we're being pessimistic. We've come a long way for you to be able to say that. That's that's just crazy. <laughs> pessimistic. I, I just think there's too many. Yeah. I just think, honestly, let me, let me give reasons why. Oh, we lost you, PLR. You went mute. I think I don't think the Suns will be that much worse. I think teams, certain teams in the West, are going to get better because they're going to be healthier. So the Clippers should be better. Oh, it's true. The Clippers should be better. The Denver Nuggets should be better. There are teams that should be better. And if you're not playing every game, like to both your points, like it's the peak game, like they did last year, you take those five or six off, and then the other five or six. I think that's how you get down to the fifty-two. Here's my prediction. My prediction is that the Suns win more than 54 games because they're going to lean into the the shooting uh, with Cam Johnson as as the power forward. So they've got shooting all over the court. Um, they're going to and and Da is going to take a few more threes this year as well. The question will be: Is that sustainable in the postseason? And by the postseason, they're going to need an enforcer like a Jay or a replacement for Jay. Um, but I think they're actually going to do well. They're not going to focus as hard on every win this year, but they outpaced everybody by eight games last year in wins at 64 wins. So I do think they're going to have 55 to 58 wins this year. I'm going to take the over. You know, I think 52 wins puts you in the third or fourth seed next year. Yeah, well, I think they're going to have the second or third seed. So I'm, I'm going a little bit more optimistic than you. I think it's going to be 55 to 58. I think um, you're right. The Clippers are going to be better. Denver, though, I don't know that they're going to win a lot more games. They'll just be more interesting. Uh, but they they did – I'm, I'm not convinced Denver's going to be significantly more winning franchise than they were last year. They already won 52 or something like that last year without, without those two guys. Um, maybe I'm just being pessimistic. But I, I do think that um, the Suns will be second or third behind the two L.A. teams. I mean, sorry, Golden State and the Clippers. Yeah, I'll take the slight over. I think 55 is what my prediction would be if I had to put it on the dot, uh, which is why I put it at 54 for that mm. one. Uh, yeah, I think they'll, they'll probably be the second seed is my guess. I think there's going to be – it just depends on really who cares the most during the regular season, which it could be like a Memphis team that's young and trying to prove themselves. It could be, you know, Golden State and the Clippers just, you know, have load management and you know, they have all these vets and try to play some of their young guys and just – you know, treat it like a marathon like they did last year. So I don't really think the standings matter too much or seating or any of that. It's just more of uh, trying to stay healthy for the playoffs at this point for, for these veteran teams at least. And uh, yeah, I think the West got better. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how, how it plays out, but yeah, I think uh, this is the true revenge tour for the Suns at this point. <clears throat> yeah. People that. are going to laugh at that. I hope they don't actually call it a revenge tour. I know DA said something about revenge. Well, who are they revenging themselves? Yes. We're the ones who fell apart. Exactly. They still have a Pacific Division, by the way. I just read. Yeah. The, 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 no one. Cared, when I was growing up, they cared about divisions. No, yeah. even day one, they just put conference, uh, the conference yeah. rankings. If there is still a Pacific Division. The thing is, Andrew uh, Dang, who says he still thinks the Suns could win the Pacific. If the one, Suns win the Pacific like they did this past year, they'll be the number one seed because they're the biggest competition is the Clippers and the Warriors, I believe. 
Um, I think uh, everybody else is going to be fighting just like the Suns. And there's, I don't, I think there's going to be one or two teams that break away from the pack and everyone else will be in the mid fifties at the best. So I can see why people are saying maybe under for the Suns, but that they're just a machine and they know how to win and they're going to, I think they're going to win 55 plus. Okay. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Let's just preview, preview the upcoming week real quick and then we'll let you go. We're already almost an hour and a half in here today. There's an open practice down at the arena where they play against each other. And I predict the Suns will win tomorrow. There's first preseason game officially is against the Adelaide 36ers less than half as good as the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, and the Suns, I predict they'll win that one as well. Um, if they don't win by 30, then something else is going on. Um, then Wednesday, a real actual game happens, but it's up in Vegas. The Suns are at the Lakers. So we'll be back next Saturday to recap what happened in these first basic scrimmages. And hopefully the Suns will at least be one and two with their one win against themselves this, you know, today, this afternoon. So they'll at least be one and two next Saturday. And we'll, and we'll recap all that and talk about it. I want to thank you all uh, for joining us today. I really do hope you guys um, come back next Saturday. And I want to thank you for everything you guys do for us on YouTube and joining us in the live chat. If you're listening to this later, if you're on listening on the podcast form and audio form, please leave us a five-star review. Um, and because if you're listening at this point, you love the podcast. So don't tell me you don't. So uh, please leave a five-star review. If you're in Apple podcasts, if you're watching on YouTube and you just want to promote the show, I put the link in the show in the, in the chat right here, click over and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. That way you can say how great we are and um, I can share it with the, with the folks next weekend. Uh, so thank you so much for being here today. And uh, we'll talk to you all again next week.